night on the late night fright. A legendary screen team. A vampire flick from the British House of Horror. And hippies. It's Dracula AD 1972 from Hammer Films, right here on the Late Night Fright. Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. It's been a minute. It has. It's been a few minutes. A very, very few minutes. Our last show was in January. We are now in May. It feels longer than that. It does feel longer than that. Uh, Schedules have had a lot to do with that. Mm -hmm. I have been playing in a band that takes me literally... To the end of the earth. <laughs> you follow the highway and the highway ends. The highway it does. ends. It goes into the water because mm. that highway becomes a boat landing. So if you're ever looking for me, you can find me out at Black Lake in Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds at the Black mysterious. Lake Club. I'm spending so much time at the Black Lake Club, I should get mail there. You should. I really should, should. But we're having a good time. Yeah. We're having a really good time. And we're going to have a good time tonight because we have a pretty good movie, I think. I think so, too. From the British House of Horror, as we said in the introduction, we have Dracula A.D. 1972, starring Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. We have a little short synopsis, and uh, then we have uh, the trailer for the film, so you can hear that. And then we'll get into the review and all that. But let's talk a little bit about how we got here. We always planned on coming back to do the show mm-hmm. and we didn't know what movie we were going to do we were we were just aimless wandering i think we picked a few and then we they never few. really stuck we had a few so how did we get here well i rediscovered a love for comic books that's a love that i've never really lost but i got into this kick where i was reading comic books and i started rereading the 1970s marvel comics run of george lucas's star wars and Peter Cushing was in Star Wars, and I looked at Faith a few weeks ago, and I said, I want to watch that Peter Cushing Star Wars movie. (laughs) So that's kind of what led us here, because we Mm -hmm. did the three films in the original trilogy, and we went right into the prequel trilogy, and who is in the prequel trilogy? Well, his buddy, Christopher Lee. (laughs) He shows up. (laughs) And it just felt right that we'd do a Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee movie, And uh, real quick before we get into it, I want to say this about Peter Cushing and Star Wars. I think Peter Cushing and Star Wars is perhaps the most underrated performance in the entire film. I feel like he gets a little overlooked Mm -hmm. in the mythology of that whole series. I agree. I really do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. What is a Grand Moff? Well, nobody really (laughs) knows, do they? He is so wonderful in that movie. And I think I feel like he's the glue that that helps hold that first movie together. Mm, he, I agree. Because he is the representative of the Empire. He's telling Vader what to do. And there's just a, a real charming malevolence to him in that movie. Yes. And then fast forward to the prequel trilogy and you have his buddy popping up in episode two, a little bit in episode three. And my God, Christopher Lee. I think. 
Peter Cushing had, because he was uh, about 44 years old when he achieved international stardom with The Curse of Frankenstein and then Horror of Dracula and his work with Hammer Films, I think that man had the best second act out of any performer ever because of what what came after right. that for him. And I think his friend Christopher Lee had the best third act out of anybody because, my gosh, we'll talk a little bit more about that tonight. It's good to have you all here. Faith, it's good to be here. It's very good to it's be here. It's good to be here. Welcome one. Welcome all. Here we go. We have a uh, little synopsis of the film, and we're going to play the trailer, and we'll be back with our thoughts on the movie. So... Stick around. We'll see you on the other side. Yesterday, Dracula was the most fearsome being the screen has ever seen. Today, tonight, you, you, you could be Dracula's next victim. new yet as old as time come on johnny a date with the devil are you ready he's ready he's waiting to freak you out right out of this world died september the 18th 1872 a hundred years ago to the day it must swear before the name of the devil to keep it secret who knows about vampires for god's sake my grandfather died fighting a vampire the most terrible the most dangerous vampire of all time the year is 1972 a leap year in horror a vintage year for vampires Masters of Horror to meet again in the 20th century. Come to me, come Dracula! Dracula AD 1972 came about because Warner Brothers wanted to emulate the success of Count Yorga Vampire, a modern vampire tale that had been successful at the box office. So they commissioned Hammer, the British House of Horror, to produce two modern-day Dracula tales that would feature Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Written by Don Houghton, whose credits include work on the classic BBC series Doctor Who, 
as well as the pictures, the satanic rites of Dracula and the legend of the seven golden vampires, both of which starred Peter Cushing as Van Helsing and directed by Alan Gibson, who would go on to helm the satanic rites of Dracula. Dracula AD 1972 opens 100 years earlier with the final battle between Lawrence Van Helsing and his mortal enemy, the lusty bloodsucker Count Dracula. We fast forward 100 years to London and we meet a group of hippie mods, one of whom, Johnny Alucard, is determined to resurrect Count Dracula through a black mass so that he might have revenge on the Van Helsing line that ended his reign of evil all those years ago. It's up to Lawrence Van Helsing's grandson, Lorimer, to stop Dracula and to save his granddaughter, Jessica. Dracula AD 1972 marked a shift in the Hammer Dracula series. It featured the first appearance of Peter Cushing as Van Helsing since 1961's Brides of Dracula, and in updating the setting to the then-contemporary 1972, did away with the gothic elements that had previously been utilized and defined the film series. Reviews at the time were less in kind, but just as time heals all wounds and wounds all heals, Many have started to reevaluate Dracula AD 1972, in large part because the film is now a time capsule of London in the 70s. Director Tim Burton cites this as one of his favorite movies. Oh, and the film was inspired in part by the Highgate Vampire. More on that in a bit. Stephanie Beecham co-stars as Jessica Van Helsing alongside Christopher Neem as Johnny Alucard. Marsha Hunt, Caroline Monroe, and Michael Coles also appear, and the score is by Mike Vickers, who had been a member of the Manford Man Band. The soundtrack is heavily influenced by the blaxploitation films of the time, which helped the movie feel more modern by 1972 standards. The rock group Stone Ground also makes an appearance, and they were a last-minute fill-in for the band The Faces, which featured Rod Stewart and Rolling Stones guitarist Ron Wood. This film would be followed by 1973's The Satanic Rites of Dracula, the last Dracula film produced by Hammer, and the final appearance of Lee as the Count. All right, welcome back to the Late Night Fright. I am Dan. And I am Faith. All right, so I thought we'd kick it off. I have the book Creature Features here. This is by John Stanley. John Stanley is one of the legendary hosts of Creature Features out on the West Coast, out in San Francisco. That was uh, Bob Wilkins' show. He took over for the legendary Bob, and uh, he is great in his own right. We like Bob Wilkins. We do. What we've seen of him. You know, there's a, a documentary out about Bob, Up Late with oh, Bob yeah. Wilkins, and you can check that out for free on, on Creature Features. Okay, I don't know if it's YouTube or Creature Features. They brought Creature Features back a few years ago. That's cool. And uh, if, you're not hip, if you're not hip to Creature Features, you should check it out. We unfortunately, because they put a lot of these things on tape, we don't have a lot of Bob Wilkins. That's a very unfortunate. It, it, it really is. Mm-hmm. There are some fans and uh, collectors out there who have some shows that they recorded back in the day. So we, we do have some of that, but not, not enough. It's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that documentary is out. But John Stanley wrote uh, what is considered to be the Bible on horror and sci-fi and fantasy and uh, it's it's in review form. You can get that on Amazon. That's where I got my copy. This is great. And uh, let's see what John Stanley had to say about Dracula A.D. 1972. 
And he grades on five stars. Would you like to venture a guess as to how many stars he gave Dracula A.D. 1972? Three. He sure did. He went okay. three. So let's see if we agree with That's this. That's kind of where I land. That's kind of where I land, too. With its throbbing rock and roll <laughs> soundtrack. He said throbbing. <laughs> and its lack of gothic trappings and atmosphere with Dracula and Van Helsing in contemporary England. Hammer broke too much tradition for its own good, perhaps. Yet this entry in the series holds up pretty good. In this one, Drac is resurrected by a gang of modish partiers and avenges himself against a descendant of Professor Van Helsing. That's just like I just said in the synopsis. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Peter Cushing, after an 11-year absence from the series, is back as the updated Van Helsing, tracking the vampire to an old church after his beautiful granddaughter, the wonderfully busty... Stephanie Beecham, can we say that today? Oh, wow. <laughs> and she really lets it all hang out. Not not all the way. <laughs> not oh, entirely. <laughs> can we say that? Has been lured into Drax's domain. Christopher Lee is still imposing as the bloodsucker with the bloodshot eyes. And his battles with Cushing are well staged, although some of the demises are based on now predictable cliches. And some effects have dated. So, there you go. Well, we'll we'll get to that. Uh, what do you think of Dracula AD nineteen seventy two? I liked it. It's not my favorite Dracula film of uh, you know Hammer, but I I did like it for the most part. The setting I feel like it didn't throw me off. It just felt so much more modern than what we've watched for at least what I've watched from Hammer, and I really love the look of those movies. Just. So I guess this is a little more, I agree with him, a little more modern, that modern take. It's not my favorite, but I liked it. The modern take is not your favorite. Is that what you're no, saying? No, like being in like, looking like, I gotcha. like being in the city and I everything gotcha. looks, you know, I like that dark and like the I, church setting is my yeah. favorite part of it. I love the spooky, but then, you yeah. you know, I just, I, I just like, like gothic. I like gothic horror. I like the gothic. I like gothic horror a whole lot. Nobody does gothic horror better than the Brits. With that said, the setting didn't bother me. It, I, it's not necessarily the and setting. I know, but the change from the gothic, uh, he used a great phrase here, much more eloquent than, than I think I could put together, gothic trappings and atmosphere. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's, a fine, <laughs> that's a fine piece of writing right there. Yes, it is. I didn't miss the gothic trappings and atmosphere, and I think the reason I didn't miss them because of the story is because of the two guys because yeah. of of christopher lee and peter cushing it's just it's oh good they're here yeah. as long as they're there you know um mm -hmm. i feel like we're in pretty good hands i had a thought earlier today while i was prepping notes for the show and i prepped my notes for the show yet i'm speaking extemporaneously because i do not have notes in front of me <laughs> right now <laughs> but um you know the the brits do gothic horror so well mm -hmm. And, you know, they have such a rich, and, and I say rich, but a very long history. And America seems to do the slasher mm -hmm. a lot better yeah. than the Brits. And I'm, I'm wondering if that has to do with the ages of the country. I'm wondering what the, uh, what the component is there. Yeah, it makes because sense. we don't have that history. You know, you see it a little bit in New England, mm -hmm. you know, with things uh, like ghost tales there and, and things like that. But we don't have that long literary tradition that they draw from no. with their gothic horror. But we have, uh, you know, and, and Faith and I have talked about this on the show once or twice, and we've talked about it amongst ourselves, so we'll bring it up now. 
so you all know what I'm talking about because I know you're not mind readers. <laughs> um, sure they are. We, um, you know, we moved from characters like Dracula and Frankenstein out of the Gothic tradition, and then we moved into characters like Freddy and Jason, these guys with normal names, and really they live next door. It's very suburban. Yeah. So in the suburbs, it's a very American thing. American so that's thing. an interesting thing. I've never heard that quantified anywhere. If anybody out there knows something about that or, or, or has heard or read anything, I'd love mm-hmm. I'd love to read up on that a little more. I'm sure I, I can't be the first one with that, with that thought. No, I don't no, think I so. Can, I can't be. But it is a good thought. Interesting. You know? Interesting. It thought. might be why we kind of crave that gothic setting could be. so much because we're not could be. necessarily you, you know used yeah. to seeing it in american yeah. stuff um yeah i i i didn't miss it here i i didn't miss it it's not that i missed it it just felt different you know yeah and it's like uh modern reviewers have kind of uh latched onto it this movie maybe at the time it felt completely different and we're so far removed now you know we're 50 years from from 72 at this point, you know, that this movie uh, is itself kind of a little time capsule. So, Mm -hmm. so we're getting that kind of modish London. Yeah. You know, so that, that didn't bother me. And like I said, I I think it didn't bother me because the story is pretty solid. Yeah. I think, I think the story story. is is pretty solid. Um, uh, We have this uh, group of hippies. Uh, It's always the hippies. It's always the hippies, isn't it? Always. Hippies. With their free always, love, always the hippies. With their free love and their and their and their social attitudes. Peace, love, and happiness, or whatever peace, they peace, go peace, around. Peace, love, and dope. It's it's always <laughs> the hippies. Damn hippies. There's some pretty good music though. Yeah. Hey, before I forget, you know who's not a hippie? Who? LPB Deputy Director Matt Tessier. That's right. He's want not to say, a want to say hello real quick before I forget to Matt, who's a big fan of the show. I've heard. Big fan of the show. Matt has, uh, Matt's been listening to our back catalog. We're and, so sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, know, I apologize. And he listened to the Unbreakable episode, and he said he was going to rewatch that movie because we said, if you haven't seen this movie or it's been a while, you should watch it. And he took our advice and did it. Oh and I'm worried about him because we say that a lot. What else have we said to go do and people have... He'd, he'd better be prepared to, to, to watch a lot of movies. <laughs> I know. And uh, also... But again, what else What else have we said? Like, I, yeah. You, know, you should go do this. Yeah. You yeah. poor people. Yeah. And he's in the back catalog. Also in the back catalog, I have a uh, I have a bass student named Landon. Absolutely adore, adore Landon. And uh, Landon listens to our show while he works out. So. Awesome. So uh, be careful working out, Landon. Don't pull <laughs> anything. Don't lift too heavy. Don't drop anything. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, yeah, this uh, I think the story here though is 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 really good. I think it's a solid story. And then now the question is, would it be as good if you didn't have Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee in it? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, go ahead probably and say not. probably not. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, no offense to any other actors, but goodness gracious. Those two on screen, it's just something yeah, else. Yeah, let's let, let, let's go ahead. Let's let's just get right to it. Let's talk about that. That's why we're here. <laughs> that is exactly why we're here. Which one do you want to start with? Peter. Let's start with Peter. As we said, Peter, uh, he was... He, okay, Peter Cushing was a legit actor. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard it said 
that he might be the greatest actor to ever work in the horror genre. I would not argue with that. The guy, the guy had outstanding pedigree. He had uh, studied at, uh, I, th- I think it was the Old Vic, which is one of the acting studios mm-hmm. there. Uh, had come to Hollywood, uh, went back because of World War II, uh, stayed, became a television star. And his performance as Winston Smith in the BBC production of 1984 is still regarded as one of the great performances, not only in television, but just, just ever. And so when Hammer decided they were going to take the old Universal films and they were going to make those in color. And uh, TV, you know, being all the rage, TV, the the advent of television hurt movies because people could stay home and watch, you know, watch their shows. And so they decided, well, let's get a TV guy. You know, Mm -hmm. we know they like watching him. So they pulled Peter Cushing and uh, that's when they made The Curse of Frankenstein. This guy, though, absolute legit actor. And let me uh, let me say this. I, there's a book I, I have on him by the uh, Midnight Marquee movie series, I believe is what it's called. And they it's a great book. Uh, you can look these up on Amazon. Um, just do this look books, Peter Cushing, Midnight Movies. And it's a collection of essays. And so these, these great film historians, that, but fans of this genre and fans of him wrote these things. And they go through different aspects of his career. They raise this great point. He might be the most important actor in the 20th century. Why do I say that? Because at the time when he was hitting in 1958, 57 with Curse of Frankenstein and then 58 with uh, Horror of Dracula mm-hmm. over here in the States, it's just Dracula over there. Um, the guys, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. Joe Dante, uh, you, you know, that, that generation of filmmaker. Yeah. They were young children. They were going to the movies. They were watching these things. The special effects guys, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Rick Baker, Stan Winston. So the movies that Peter Cushing was in influenced this generation of filmmakers. And it influenced George Lucas so much that he put Peter in, (laughs) you know, the second biggest movie of all time. Uh (laughs) And and his buddy, (laughs) you know, with him, you know, then... Got in, got in on the uh-huh. next round of Star Wars. So, um, yeah. So a lot of the thing, you know, in that movie, of course, Star Wars and you know, ignited everything, mm-hmm. changed everything, and we're still feeling the effects of Star Wars today. And you know, with look at any of these big movies that are coming out, not as good as Star Wars. Mm-mm. I stand by that. Oh not yeah, as, not as good as Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but but the influence of Star Wars is on those movies, and he had a little bit to do with that. So I think it's really interesting. He's he's underrated and one of the most uh, important actors of all time. But he's one of the great actors to work in this genre. He is so good. What is it about Peter Cushing? We we both love him. We, we love him so much that uh, Faith tracked down his great autograph. Uh, is, I have Peter Cushing's autograph. It's, mm-hmm. on my, it's on my wall with this great picture of him from uh, mm-hmm. Brides of Dracula. And, and what is it about him? I know you love him. I do. It's just... There's something about him, too, that you love on and off screen, I feel like. I feel like he's, I don't know much about his personal life, but he just seemed like he was such a great guy on and off screen. But when he's on screen, my God, he is just such a presence. I feel like I've said that about him before in other episodes. But there's he, no He's what George uh, Lucas calls a focus puller. Yeah. You, you have to watch him when you he's on to. screen. 
his personal life, um, he was very much a homebody. Mm-hmm. He was a professional actor, and this ties in with tonight's film. He, he was very devoted to his wife, Helen. And Helen died in 1971, and Helen, Helen's death grieved him so much that he aged considerably. And if you look at him in this movie and you watch a movie from pre-1971, he's aged considerably because Mm -hmm. he was in such despair from her death. And she actually makes an appearance in this film. Uh, Her picture is on his desk when he's uh, reading up on how to kill the vampire. And so she's there with him in the scene, which I think is really mm-hmm. sweet. And they were devoted to one another. She traveled with him. She spoke five languages. So when he was making movies abroad, she, she could translate, you know, for him oh, with crew cool. and things like that. And he was, that. um, he lived in, uh, I believe it's called Whitstable by the sea is the name of the town. And they lived there It had a nice little cottage. The, they didn't have any children. I don't know what the story there, there is, mm-hmm. but, um, the kids would come and play. In, in his yard and they'd play uh, with the kids and yeah and nothing weird yeah. you, you know I, and it awful you have to you have to quantify that mm-hmm. you know these days but nothing weird and uh, when she passed the people in the town looked out for him he'd, he'd go and have his his meals at the same little little place and there's a bar there named Peter Cushing there's a tavern that's named after him and they loved having him there and by all accounts uh, he is called the gentleman of horror and he was just a very sweet man. From from all accounts, everything I've ever read about him, and I, and and you know, I'm raising my hand right now, you know, Scout's Honor, he was apparently just just that good of a guy. Mm-hmm. He was that decent of a man, and and Carrie Fisher had nothing but nice things to say about him. <laughs> and believe me, I think if there was something to say about somebody, <laughs> Aunt Carrie, Aunt Carrie would have said it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he was terrible. He was off. No, she didn't say anything like that. <laughs> That's my Carrie Fisher impression. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, it's like she's really here with us. Yeah, she might be. Uh, I I think he belongs on the Mount Rushmore of horror. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> I think he belongs on the Mount Rushmore of horror right next to his buddy that's in this movie, mm-hmm. Christopher Lee. And then Boris and Bella, mm-hmm. I think, are, are the four that, mm-hmm. that to me. And I know a case could be made for Lon Chaney Sr. and Jr. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Claude Rains, you know. Um, and it's a shame we don't have more modern equivalents. Yeah, Robert England is probably the newest one, mm-hmm. and that's and Elm Street's about to be forty years old. You know, we, yeah, we we haven't had that major. We've had well, some scream queens, but not that major uh-huh. horror actor. Well, I think that's what's so special about Peter and Christopher Lee. It's like not only were they great actors, there's there's nobody like them today. Like no one. No. No. Nobody really, even in movies in general, have that type of presence on screen no. like they did. Cushing in this movie, especially you see it in this movie, and you see it in 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 a you know a lot of his films, but because he's heroic here, yeah. You know, there's a there's a uh, it's it's a very unique masculinity. It's a it's a confident and 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 sure, mm-hmm. but it's not a uh, arrogant swaggering masculinity it's a very it's very present you know he's he's so present in every every scene that he's in in this movie and what's great is so the movie hopefully you've all seen it but uh we we get him right in the beginning so we end the the dracula series that that had been established there the gothic series and 
Uh, so both of them die right there at the beginning. Spoiler. And and then we catch up. But but Cushing makes like one little appearance in the first kind of third of the movie outside of that that prologue. And and so we're not with him for quite a bit. And then he comes into the movie. And the movie's fine. It's good. Like I said, like I said, it's a good movie. Yeah. It's it's good story, good solid. You know, there's no you know, it gets from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. It does everything you want it to do. But when he pops in, it's like, ah, oh, there we go. It's like there it yeah, is. Here and, we go. Here we go. And it's like, okay, he's here. We okay, now we know what's up. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, somebody he's gonna take care of it. It's like that's it. He's <laughs> daddy's here. <laughs> daddy's gonna take care of it. You exactly. Know? <laughs> he's so good in this role. And I like, you know, um, LPB deputy director Matt Tessier texted me and said, was asking what film we were going to be doing, getting the show kicked back off. And I told him, and he said he'd never seen a, a Christopher Lee Dracula movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he said, oh, good. It's an excuse to finally to finally watch one. Absolutely. And I like, you know, the, the juxtaposition between the Frankenstein films and the Dracula films with Peter Cushing because he is he's the monster in the Frankenstein movies mm-hmm. and he gets to be heroic here, but he still gets to do it with a little bit of an edge. And, and I, and I love him in this movie and I love, mm-hmm. uh, there's very few actors you watch them and they're, and they're thinking, you know, and, and, and I love watching him think. And I love watching yeah, him figure things so out. it seems so real and yeah. genuine. <laughs> so cool. I know. He's so cool. I love him. He is my favorite actor. He's up there he for is, me. He is my favorite actor. Such a unique presence and, mm-hmm. and look and, and, you know, um, gosh, he's so awesome. He really is. You know who else is awesome? Christopher, Christopher Lee. Lee. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about him. Um, so they started off together in, uh, well, this series and in, in Horror of Dracula. Really, it was Curse of Frankenstein. But, uh, you know, the Dracula series, they started off together in, in Horror of Dracula. Then he didn't come back for Brides of Dracula, which I love Brides of Dracula. I do, too. I love both of those movies. I'm, I'm, I have a moderate to mild obsession with Horror of Dracula. I That's pull that one of my out. favorite movies. Oh, it's me, too. I pull it out every so often, and I feel like you're getting, like, both of them at the top of their game. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't, as as was said here in the John Stanley review, 11 years, we didn't see him in this. It became Christopher Lee's franchise. Um, and while I'm on that, uh, one thing I'll say in defense of moving it from the gothic setting to the modern setting, uh, and I don't know that setting has a lot to do with this, but the movies had kind of become, the Dracula movies, There's a there was a formula to these Dracula movies. They, they, they revived Dracula. <laughs> Dracula kills. They have to find a way to get rid of mm-hmm. Dracula. And yeah, I know that's how it happens here. <laughs> but <laughs> but you do have Peter Cushing back. Yeah. You know, so it's like, ah, so the stakes. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Kind of upped a little bit. Uh-huh. But um, so I will I will kind of give it a little prop there. It's trying to do something a little different, a little yeah. different. But uh, it really but really the series became Christopher Lee's it, and and poor Christopher Lee. We looked it up recently. I wish I had the number in front of me. <laughs> what is it, like 35 minutes of screen time in like seven movies or something like this? I don't remember. It was it was something very low, and it's like he was getting paid. <laughs> he was getting paid. <laughs> so he doesn't have a lot of screen time in these movies. He doesn't have a lot of screen time in this film, but 
you feel him. Yes, you do. Just like Peter Cushing had a presence. Christopher Lee definitely has a presence. And yeah. how good does he look in that cape? He looks so good. <laughs> it's just such a, it's so striking. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. We were talking about Star Wars and Peter Cushing in that movie tells Darth Vader what to do. And he's one of the only people outside of the Emperor. Well, he is the only person outside of yeah. the Emperor that tells Darth Vader what to do. Irony of ironies, the actor in the suit played one of the Frankenstein creatures in, uh, well, he played the Frankenstein creature in Peter's last Hammer uh, Frankenstein feature, uh, Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. Okay, I didn't know that. And Darth Vader, the character, is a Frankenstein-like Mm-hmm. creation so that's really interesting and then in the prequel trilogy we have count dooku that's a stretch <laughs> count dooku count dracula mm-hmm. there you go and uh but we have we have them playing to their strengths in in the hammer films yeah, yeah. and yeah count dooku is very noble and uh has that yeah they put his big booming voice to good use in that mm-hmm. in that movie and um you know Faith and I have had the conversation recently, having watched those Star Wars films. I know, I know the prequel films aren't as loved by a certain sect of fandom. We don't understand why, but that's not for us to get into here. But I hope we all agree that seeing Christopher Lee in In Star Wars Wars (laughs) is one of the great thrills. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, he's always oh, he's, he's yeah. good. He's good here, isn't he? Oh God, yeah. Yeah. You just get excited when he comes on screen. You know, yeah. you're both of them, but it's just like yeah, it's just such a treat. So what is it? What is it about him? What is it about him that see? That he's a little more like menacing to me. I guess well, it. You well, he's know, a lot more menacing. He is. To well, me. even I mean, Count Dooku, Count Dracula. He's just he plays those roles so well. It's. Between his height, just the way he looks, his, he his, doesn't um, have to say anything. Yeah, his stature, like you know, in, in Dracula, we we uh, we haven't done it on the show, but Dracula, Prince of Darkness, from nineteen sixty six, he doesn't speak at all. Really? Yeah, he doesn't speak. Oh, cool. Yeah, <laughs> right. Wow. Right. I I felt like we I got a good bit one. of him here, you know, speaking. Yeah, which I thought was really great. Yeah, you can just look at you, and it's like. God, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. Oh, he's oh, he's something. Yeah. Um, like I said, Peter Cushing had that had that great second half, that second act, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and Christopher Lee, that third act of his career, that that's amazing. No one has done that. Yeah. I don't. No. I don't think anybody's going to touch what he did. Uh, coming with uh, the Tim Burton films, uh, he was in Hugo that uh, Scorsese directed. Then, of course, the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the uh, Star Wars films that he was in, and I feel like there's something I else. Like there's something I feel like else. there's something else. He released uh, death metal albums. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He really. He was. A, he was an operatic singer. He released a death metal album in his in his eighties. Yeah. What? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's out there. Oh, I have oh, it's to out hear there. this. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, just I'm and, intrigued. And, and a very loved. You know, beloved and, and respected figure mm-hmm. too, and and uh, just one. I was I was so upset the day he passed. I I was I was really bummed out. You uh, I agree with everything you said about him and and his performances and his presence in this mm-hmm. movie is amazing. Um, I know you're also a big Tim Burton 
fan. I am. You are a big Tim I Burton am. fan. Hey, they're doing Beetlejuice too. I know. Uh, <laughs> see how that goes. And um, kind of nervous. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, what? Uh, do you have Do you have a favorite Christopher Lee appearance in a uh, Tim Burton film? Ooh. Ooh. That's a tough question. I like him right in the beginning of uh, Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, me too. I kind of like him though too in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just kind of he just kind of shows up. Yeah. Like, hey, you like know that. the movie Sleepy Hollow. Has, I love Sleepy Hollow. Has let's see, one, two, three, three Sith Lords in it. That's right. Because we have Christopher Lee, Ian McDiarmid who plays uh, Palpatine, mm-hmm. and Ray Park who played Darth Maul does the horseback riding mm-hmm. for the uh, for the headless horseman. That's so one of my favorite movies. Pretty cool. I like that movie. You know, we did it on the show, but we should maybe revisit that. Did we do it? We did. Yeah, I feel like we did. We've done so many. I know. We've done so many. I know we talked about it. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's great. Uh, he's great. He's great. He was he was born to play this role. Mm-hmm. He was he was born to born to play this. Um, yeah. I mean, you, 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 what else can you say about them? They're 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 just so good. They're so good. Um. As I've said it, I've said it before. I like the movie. I like this movie. I like I like yeah, I, I like I the story. It. There's a really, really, really good performance in here from Christopher Neem, who plays Johnny Alucard. I think this guy, this guy carries a lot of this movie. Yeah. And man, is he cool! He is. He has a look about him that was very off-putting. Uh, yeah, but like, you couldn't help but to look at him. Like shifty, just like, a little shifty. Something in his eyes. Well, shifty. Yeah. If you saw him out and about at the little coffee shop that they hang out at in this movie, you know how dogs do the side eye. Yeah, you know, yeah. You'd be giving him the side eye. Be a little suspicious yeah. about him. Okay, so I have a little gripe with this movie. I was a little confused about something. Um, in the prologue, he's in the prologue, mm-hmm. and it's unclear whether or not he's playing the same character in the prologue and in the film. If he's right. from the same line, or if he had some kind of long life because he was, you know, working towards helping Dracula, I was a little confused at that. Uh-huh. And you know what? It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. Because for a second, you ha- you have to think, oh, that was a hundred years ago, right? So I had that same thought too. I was like, well, because maybe. the character takes that Dracula ring uh-huh. and puts it on, so maybe that granted him, you know, some kind of like uh, uh, immortality until they could. Yeah. Until he could help Dracula raise, you know, rise, raise, rise, he's rise gonna, from the... He's going to raise. He's he going to raise him up. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> he did. Uh, <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I, 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 it's a little nitpick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, Chris Lee says at one point in the movie, like, you know, you from your line, you know. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, well, is he from the line or is he is he the same guy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I was going with he was the same guy. I, I, I it works know. if he's the same guy, yeah. I because he's serving the master. Yeah. He, he could have, yeah. So that's what I was going I have, I have another little nitpick. So, <laughs> I feel like I have one. Wait, I have one more. I have one more. Yeah, so the prologue of the movie, uh, it opens up, and they're fighting. And it's I, I, I thought that fight scene was really well done. Mm-hmm, like, it was. Nice choreography, you know? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Dracula uh, gets impaled on a wagon wheel, and it's a yellow wagon wheel because we, we got to notice the wagon wheel. Mm-hmm. And Van Helsing finishes him off before he expires. And then the Johnny Alucard character takes the ashes of Dracula 
and the stake that was you know driven through his heart, and he goes and he puts it in like the corner of a church. And are we to believe that 100 years later that yellow stake would still be hanging out <laughs> in the same spot? Because the church had been desanctified, and it looks like they were either going to demolish it or was in the process of some mm. some kind of you know massive project. You know, uh-huh. there there's construction around it. You know. And it's it was like he just walks up and it's like just hanging out. I was like, all right, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll allow it. A hundred years later, it's just as pristine as it did. Ah, uh, yeah, just just <laughs> just hanging out right there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that. I'm trying to think. Do I have any other? No, I I think that was the only two things where I was like, eh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a little odd. Also, side note, people, you know need to stop playing around with this kind of dark stuff, though, because this is how this kind of stuff starts. Just about to say, so let's... Hey, let's go to the church and do a ritual. Let's let's segue into my favorite scene in the movie, which is the Black Mass. The Black Mass, yeah. like In the church, yeah. Oh, it'll be be innocent. No. First off, how how well done was that? That was really good. That was creepy, wasn't it? It was. The really sounds, creepy, yeah. The look of it, that white noise that that they call, yeah, really well done, Chore- really great mm-hmm. choreography. But just say no. Yeah, yeah. Don't mess around with that stuff because it starts with them like in their little hangout spot. Hey, let's go do this. It'll be so much fun. It's like <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny to me. All these hippies. It's always the hippies. Always the hippies. Damn hippies. It's always the hippies. Let's go try this. Yeah. Oh, we no, just not. we just went and danced to a band at a at rich people's <laughs> you know, rich people's soiree. This band Stoneground. Uh, it was almost the Faces, uh, the band the Faces, which Rod Stewart was a lead singer. Mm, okay. And so Rod Stewart was almost in a, in a hammer hammer film. Yeah. I like Rod. There's nothing wrong with Rod. Nah. Yeah. He's all right. Um. But uh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We did that, and now we're drinking coffee, and, and it's so funny. You're so right about this. It's like, do you guys want to have a real gas? <laughs> like, that's that's my that's my uh, Johnny Alucard uh, voice for the evening. You guys want to have a real gas? I'm talking about a black mass. <laughs> You're right. Everybody's like, yeah, that's a good there idea. Like, there was one girl that was like, I don't think this is good. And I was like, oh, just stop. It's going to be so was much it, fun. Was it Jessica Van Helsing? Was it her? Yes. It would make sense if it was her. I think it was her. Yeah, played by, I want to make sure I get the verbiage right here. The busty? Played by, let's see, <laughs> uh, beautiful granddaughter, The in, in parentheses, the wonderfully busty <laughs> Stephanie Beecham, and she really lets it all hang out. Close parentheses. Yeah. Um. She was really good in this too. She was. She really was. She she and uh, Christopher Neem uh, carry a lot of the movie. Well, they carry the the movie before Peter Cushing really, yeah, kind of kind of gets into the picture and becomes kind of the main uh, protagonist. But mm-hmm. uh, really, really good. Both yeah. of them are really good. And and she would she would go on to find uh, success here in the states in Dynasty, the eighties TV soap opera, and uh, among other things. And Christopher Neem, we looked him up. 
The only thing we recognize on his filmography was Ghostbusters 2. He played the Mater D in, in Ghostbusters 2. I guess when they go into the restaurant and they got all the slime on them. I, I, yeah, he was into their stuff. I just didn't I recognize didn't, yeah, it. Yeah, he was really good in it. Really good in this. But yeah, but getting back to the, to the thing, they're like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's go do that. Yeah, let's go yes. Let's go have a black mask. Why? And Christopher <laughs> Lee, like, like, yeah, the real guy, uh-huh. you know, he, uh, he was... Uh, there's this great video on YouTube where he's he's in front of doing a Q&A somewhere. And what, what they asked him, they said, uh, would you tell us about your occult book collection? Yeah, they're like, we heard you had like 30,000 books 30, or something, books. something and, like and he's a big like, number he's, like he's that. So fu- he was so funny and so uh, sweet and, and gentlemanly, even with, you know, oh, no, oh, no, no. <laughs> I don't know where that came. I would have to have, you know, two houses. Yeah, uh, I have eight. <laughs> yeah, eight. And, I, and one of them was given to him by an author because mm-hmm. he was in a, in a film of of that uh the devil rides out and uh and i like what he said he's like he's like yeah don't play with the dark occult it will no. he's like i've seen it it will steal your soul yep it'll take your life and then eventually steal your soul you know That's um true. and i do feel like that is a message here in this film like mm-hmm. don't play that's what i was taking from it like they make it seem so innocent like oh it's just a joke but you don't know what kind of stuff you're inviting and opening up and exactly like, if you exactly don't, like, just leave it alone exactly because there is an element here of blood sacrifice mm-hmm. because that is what is needed to resurrect the count and I was just listening to a podcast today they were talking about uh, I don't remember if it was the Aztecs uh, you know one of the, one of the groups you know from from South America way way back in the day death cult. They're death cult though, and they and and like they you told me about participated in human sacrifice, and they really liked uh, to sacrifice uh, young boys between the ages of three and eleven because because their god demanded blood, you know, and god. and and listen, listen, this 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 crap still goes on in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. You, you can go ahead, you know, you know, laugh, laugh all you want, but it does, and and. Mm-hmm. and you don't have to look very far, and and I've said it before. Uh, once you see it, you can't unsee it, no. and you'll see it everywhere. And you're not looking for it. It's not like you're you're inventing it, you know. Yeah, and the thing is, it's gone back so many cultures and stuff. Why would it just uh, you know abruptly stop out of the blue? right? Like mm-mm. right, but but I like that aspect to this because there's uh-huh. a because they have to have the blood. Mm-hmm. They have to have the blood to bring him back. Yep, you know. And which gets it uh, into a bigger thing, and I have not had time to sit down, but like, where does the legend of the vampire come from? Because you hear all about these creatures, you know, these uh, interdimensional beings, if you will, uh, you know, that that feed, you know, they feed on fear and bad vibes and things like this. You know, um, where it came from, you know, is the blood a substitute for the vibes, you know, in, in this in this legendary story? Or is it real with the blood sacrifice? Like where yeah. where does that come from? I need we're going to we need to look that up at some Do point. Do some research at some point. Um, but I love that whole thing. And I got you, you got to get major props to Caroline Monroe, the actress who who wants to be yeah. sacrificed, man. The, the way she was moving, like uh-huh. to the to the music. It's not like she was possessed, but she was she was just moving very. Uh, it was like she was feeling whatever, feeling something yeah. energy in the room. Uh-huh. Oh, it was so awesome, and she, the whole cast here is really good. They are, but that's like the best scene in the movie and the creepiest scene in the movie mm-hmm. too. Like absolutely creepy with the cinematography and the editing and the sound design. 
really, really cool, creepy stuff going on there. But yeah, I, uh, but that is something I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to make that point. Like, don't play with this crap. It's all I've been thinking about since watching it because it's like, it's not to be played with. <laughs> like, it's not, yeah. you know, fun and games. No. It's very dark. Absolutely not. It, it is, it is very dark. It yeah. is very dark. And like, not to interrupt you, but like, I, I am so into the paranormal. Love that. But I don't go around and invite things. You know what I mean? Like, I don't go around and just follow me home. Blah, blah, blah. I just, there's there's like a line yeah. that you just don't cross with certain, you know. Yeah. I'm not going to go do seances and rituals and have things open at places. You know, it's yeah, just. I mean, y- y- absolutely. And I feel like these older horror movies, they, they warn against that kind of thing. Yeah. You know. And I feel like the people who were involved in the making of this, you know, uh, I'm not saying they had any uh, experience with this stuff, but it, it does feel authentic. Yeah. For lack of a better word. There, there seems to be like some kind of authenticity mm-hmm. to this. You know? Yeah. And it's really it's really funny that the that the free love crowd would be the ones that would be playing <laughs> right? with that. With the black magic. You know? Always the hippies. Yeah. Always the hippie. Damn hippies. I like hippies. I like hippies. I I, I like John Lennon. <laughs> I like John. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's cool. But no, I, I, I do think there is a warning. Yeah. Here. Yeah. That's what I took away from it. I did at too. Least. <laughs> I did too. I I got the idea, yeah, because they explicitly have Van Helsing's character, uh, Lorimer now, not not Lawrence. <laughs> But uh, say, you know, this is not to be trifled with. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I feel like there's, you know, these are not promoting that at all. But um, yeah, 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 very cool. So talking about your interest in the paranormal and mm-hmm. and, and those of you out there might not know faith, but uh, I do. And I know that you live for the ghost shows. You live for the uh, uh, paranormal reality shows and, and things like that. You have a real fascination. I do. With that. You have a real love for it, too. I do. It's yeah. one of my passions. In it life. is. <laughs> it is indeed. Um, so that actually ties in with one of the inspirations for this movie. And one of the inspirations for this film was the Highgate Vampire. Mm-hmm. So you didn't know about the Highgate Vampire, did you? I had heard of it, but you weren't know the actual story of it. So let's do the let's do the very short version of this because there's uh, podcasts and videos out there. You can, you know, I didn't. I kind of want to get it into the record. I don't feel like we need to like yeah, go on a whole thing. Long about and it. short of it, Highgate Cemetery in London. Uh, what was? I'm trying to remember the numbers. What was it like? A hundred and fifty thousand bodies, isn't it? I think a hundred and seventy thousand. Hundred seventy thousand in like half the number of graves. Is that right? Yeah, like it 60, basically like was like 000. it was basically like almost two people per yeah. thing. Like it was double yeah. the number of bodies compared to tombstones right and in the 60s it was reported that an entity was seen in the highgate cemetery um it was reported uh it's described as like floating wasn't it like floating a dark figure wearing a top yeah very dark very tall and its feet didn't touch the ground and my question the whole time watching this is why is it a vampire like who? So so yeah. So the two guys who were uh, 
who kind of then became stars mm-hmm. because of, let me uh, let me pull up real quick. I have I have their names right okay. here. One of them was uh, David Ferrant, and then uh, Sean Manchester was the other one. And Manchester, Manchester was the one who said it was a vampire. Yeah, and Ferrant said it was a dark entity, entity, a demon. And uh, so there's a little humorous element to this too, because then, like, so they're both in there chasing it at some point, and (laughs) then it was reported in the press that there was going to be a wizards battle between the two (laughs) of them, (laughs) which. Uh, they 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 need to just go ahead and make a movie about right. that. Yeah, good like, idea. <laughs> like uh, getting you with my mind. Yeah, uh, but uh, it's a really fascinating story. And one of them, I believe, it was Ferrant, because he he was more in line with it's a, it's a dark spirit that's traveling on a ley line that the ley line ran through the cemetery. And well, my thought too is like, if there are that many bodies. Why wouldn't there be and some there, type of and activity there were report, going on? There were reports of, of groups going in there and doing uh, black mass, dark magic, satanic mm-hmm. uh, ritual stuff in there. And that is not in doubt because they did find a body like that had yeah. been taken from the cemetery and mutilated afterwards Ugh. and was in a car and just stuff that'll just churn your stomach, just you so know. Gross. And uh, so so that that's not in doubt that they that they were doing right. You know, Black masses, which ties in with what you were saying. Was there something in there already? Did they bring? Were they? Did they open some kind of portal right. to bring something through? We we're not exactly sure. Um, the other guy, gosh, I forgot the guy's name already. Sean. Uh, Sean. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Manchester. Sean Manchester. Yes. Shouldn't be hard to. <laughs> Man, Manchester, Manchester, Manchester. Uh, Manchester claimed it was a vampire, claimed he knew where the black coffin was. He'd found it and then he was going to put a stake through it. But then his followers with him said, you know, don't do that because you're going to be desecrating a body. Well, it's a vampire. It's a vampire. Know. Why? Yeah. Like what? Why, why would you? And then he claims that that was moved to another location. And there was stuff that was happening around that other location. It was a mansion. Uh, and then he, he claims he staked it and then it, it, it like it stopped. It, it's. It's all very weird. Mm-hmm. All of it is very weird. I feel like the truth is probably hanging out somewhere right in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know those guys. I, I, I don't know much about them, but from what I've read and seen, it seems a, l- a lot of it was self-serving yeah. in a lot of ways. But I do think there was something oh, yeah. hanging out in the cemetery. Oh, Who yeah. knows? It might still be there in the cemetery. But uh, but no, I think it's very cool. That influenced this movie. Well, did I miss in that video? Like, did they say where or why they specifically thought it was a vampire? No, not not not. You know, what I'm saying? like that's so that's why I kept asking myself, like, yeah. why are we calling it a vampire necessarily? They, like, they, they should have put Lorimer Van Helsing on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's but it's it's weird. <laughs> it was just some weird stuff. But I think it's a nice like mm-hmm. like real life tie in. You know, yeah, but it. that also goes back. Like I said, I'm not gonna go somewhere and do you know a ritual to try and get things to yeah. you know oh, conjure totally. anything up I, i'm not going to do that as much as i love this stuff and just i'm not going to do that for my own sake like it's just not it's not safe um we need to talk really quickly philip miller i believe is his name uh played uh the inspector 
the inspector uh, oh, yeah, working the case. Good. Man, what uh, what I liked about that character was that he was very open to the supernatural aspect of it. Yeah. You know, usually you see these things and, you know, he'd, he'd be a real hard ass maybe. And like, you yeah, know, or like you know. you're a loony, like get, <laughs> get yeah. out of my office. I think the word that uh, Van Helsing liked in this movie is crackpot <laughs> is, is the word. But um, he's very good. He's very good in this movie. I, and I, uh, he's very good with Peter Cushing. Uh-huh. Like they, they acted really well off of one another. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, like I said, I just, I like the way he was written. I like uh, the performance, and he would actually pop up in the next film, which is the Satanic Rites of Dracula, and he's the only character other than, uh, or only actor, other than Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing to, to pop up into. Okay. And he plays the same character in the next one. That's cool. So, yeah. Pretty cool, huh? Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. So, I yeah, I, I like the movie. I like, yeah. I like the movie. Uh, I do, too. Quite a bit. Um yeah, I don't know. That's the question, right? Would it have been as good if they hadn't been in it? I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it'd be, I think it'd be an okay, it'd be an okay monster movie. Yeah. And this is, uh, this is, this is more than okay. Oh yeah. yeah this is more than okay. Anything with them in it is worth watching. Oh yeah. I mean, I was definitely entertained. Oh, absolutely. I just, I couldn't stop watching it, but. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been doing some thinking um, so we have these two series and we've got the Dracula series. We have the Frankenstein series. And I think, I mean, I've been thinking like, which one is better? You know, not, maybe not better, but the Frankenstein series holds my attention more. I think the movies in the Frankenstein series are better and more interesting than the Dracula series. And for the reasons we talked about with, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. You know, somebody brings Dracula back. Dracula goes on a rampage. They have to put him back in the ground. Right. And with the Dracula series, you run into the problem that Robert England talked about uh, on one of the Freddy documentaries with how do you bring him back? Yeah. You, you, know, you, you know, cause then that that's where the creativity comes in and, and then, and then you, you have to find these ways when you get four or five, six parts in. You know, <laughs> right. How's he come back this time? You know, <laughs> and then how do you dispatch him? You know, yeah. and, and it ran. And I think those Dracula movies uh, run into that problem. I'm look, they're a lot of fun. They're, oh, they're really cool. We did uh, Dracula's Risen from the Grave, and that was a really, really good movie. Uh, I've seen Taste the Blood of Dracula. Uh, the, Again, great movie. They have something to say. Was but Dracula has risen from the grave. That's the one where we're in that little like bar. Or yes. See, I get them all confused. Yeah. But he, that, that, I liked that one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And look, I'm not saying they're bad movies at all. But I think it's kind of like you've seen one. You've you, you've seen them all. And right. I think I think what puts this one a notch above the sequels. I'm not talking about the original, but the sequels is you got now Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee back. Yeah. So I think on a whole, the Frankenstein films. You know, are a lot more interesting. I think they're better made. They made the right decision that the monster, well, the creature, I should say, is not the monster. The creator is the monster in oh, those yeah. Frankenstein movies, and he he plays that to the hilt. But I do think that the first Dracula movie, and then the second one with Peter, Brides of Dracula, but Horror Dracula, is probably the best movie in the in 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 mm-hmm. the Hammer. <laughs> oh, <cycle>. I agree. <laughs> so I think I think like like 
film wise, Dracula has that better film, but then Frankenstein has just the better series. Yeah, I think is is yeah, I agree with that how it completely. Goes. Yeah, that first Dracula movie is is so cool. You get that kind of Errol Flynn action beat with him with the uh, candlesticks uh-huh. and that and the crucifix, and you get a little reprise of that here, a little bit where. Oh, he throws the Bible and the crucifix mm-hmm. into the what's going to be the coffin, and then he taunts the vampire, which is cool. <laughs> oh, oh he's it. so cool. He really is. He is so cool. I'm, I'm going to say it one more time. I think Peter Cushing is underrated in the Star Wars universe. His performance in that movie is underrated. He is. It's a shame. It's a shame. Because Peter rules. Peter, Peter's the man. I know. He's the man. You have anything? Uh, anything else about this movie or, or the Hammer movies? Or I think that's not it. playing with dark entities. Uh, well, I not, think I said enough about that. Just not, stop. Not, stay away from all of it. Not bringing dark entities into your life. Yeah, we, nobody needs that. No. But no, I am excited to watch some more Hammer because what I've seen, I go wrong do really. I love. So, why I think the Hammer movies are so great, and why I think they're so. Um, Got got heart like you were you were talking about. There's a there's a, a, a heartbeat there to is. these movies, and we were talking about how Star Wars influenced this. Even now, you know, forty years, well, almost fifty, gosh, almost fifty years, <laughs> it's been almost fifty years. It's still influencing movies, and I, I, I don't want to knock whatever it is that you like, but I, I don't like what's happening right now. I. I there are not any movies that I'm interested in seeing, you know. Um, nope. And I know I'm about to say that. Look, I really like this movie, and this is like what part seven of of a, of a Dracula series. But I think it's a little different, you know, because we're we're still mining properties that are forty and fifty years old, you know. And and there's I don't feel like there's been anything new or interesting. No. Interesting. Interesting, you know, because like I said, nothing in this movie that we just did tonight was really new. Yeah, but it was interesting. Yeah, and it was, and it keeps you entertained. Keeps you entertained. Yeah, yeah. It has something to say. But um, but anyway, I, I think you know when you look at like the Hammer films, they were they were really kind of homemade movies. It was a it was an independent film company, you know, and the Hammer movies were made on pretty modest budgets, but utmost care was taken with quality like Mm -hmm. these people cared about what they were putting out even if it wasn't the greatest movie you know because they couldn't stand they couldn't um afford to put out a bad product yeah you know because it put them in financial dire straits They they weren't a major studio um but you watch this and there's such care and there's such like even like in the details like with this one you know like it's not the gothic like like we're used to yeah. with them but like that the way that coffee shop looked and the way that they were dressing the people you know and that church my gosh the way they, they did up that that church was wonderful in the lighting they're getting the most they're they have creative people doing their best, you know, operating at a high level. And I think movies are better when there's a constraint. I think movies are more creative when there's a constraint. That's something I clued in on when we did Elm Street 3 mm-hmm. a while back, and they didn't have a big budget on that. And so everybody was working, you know, and having to solve problems and be real creative. And it's just so cool looking. Yeah. You know? Well, I was going to say, like, you know, like you said, the Hammer films are pretty much like a family-owned type deal, you yeah. know, and 
you can feel it. It feels very up close and personal, if that makes any sense. Because you watch these new movies, they're so yeah. big, they're loud. Yeah. There, there's so much going on on the screen, you can't focus. Yeah. So if like these Hammer movies, there's just like everything you need to see is right there. It, it's you, you can see it all. You can pay attention to it. It's not screaming at you. We were, we were both very like personally invested in the film. Like we were watching it, and like I'd, I'd, I'd seen it. I'd watched it already, and I went, "Oh, we got to do this," you know. Yeah. And uh, fun, fun fact: I bought this movie on sale. In my voodoo for like, I swear it was like two ninety nine. That's awesome. It was like a it was like a, a Halloween sale or something. I was like, and it was like the only one that I didn't have that was on sale. I was like, oh, let me get yeah. So you know, let me get it while the getting's good. Yeah. You know, and it just sat in there, and I I never got around to watching it for whatever reason. And uh, one Friday night, it was late. I put on. I was like, I want to watch. I want to watch something with those guys in it. And watched the movie and went, oh, we've got to do this. And then <laughs> got together with you and I was like, let's watch the movie if you want to and see if you want to do it too. Yeah. And we put it on and I'd kind of look over at her every now and then, you know, I'd go, how you doing with it? And she's like, this is great. You know, <laughs> because you, you know, you're, you're with it. You know, yeah. there's, there's, there's stakes Listen, I, in the movie. I loved it. I loved the movie. I guess I was, what I said in the beginning about the setting and the look, I guess it kind of, doesn't throw me off it's just more like okay this is different like yeah it is but you're still pulled into it absolutely you are yeah i feel like there's there's and especially when you when you think about what's happening now with cgi and i look i have no problem with cgi i have no problem with it yeah if it's well done it's well done you know it's a tool to if it's a tool you use to tell a story it's awesome right yeah but um yeah, there, there's uh, the CGI hasn't been very good. The effects people have been overworked and underpaid, you know. And he, like I said, you look at something like this, you know, and you're like, wow, like everything's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not one of these guys who's like, it has to be practical effects. I don't, no, I, I know. I understand the world we're living in now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, these old Hammer movies, they, they, they withstand the test of time. And, you know, we're talking about 60 years old. So, yeah, I love it. Let me ask you this question before we start wrapping this up. She's giving me the look already. <laughs> if you had to pick one, Uh-oh. is it Hammer or is it Universal? Oh, no. Oh, that's tough. Ooh. That's like, do you like Elvis or the Beatles? Oh, you know? no. Well, I have an easy answer for that one. <laughs> this one's tough. Oh, man. I think they're... Uh, I think there's a number right of now, better movies in the Hammer catalog. I was going to say right now, I'm going to say Hammer. Because what I think happens with the Universal films is like Dracula's good. Frankenstein's good. Yeah. I was going to say, and then some of the sequels, Man, you have a few of these. And then some of the sequels are just kind of... Eh, you kind of have four or five that really stand out, but then there's a, such a great collection with Hammer. And you get Christopher and Peter over there. So yeah, I'll go Hammer. Today I'm going with Hammer. <laughs> right. Tomorrow it might Ask be Ask me tomorrow. <laughs> it might be universal. Yeah, right now, Hammer. One more question. One more question. Okay. Okay, so we talked about the Mount Rushmore of, of horror. Yes. Boris and Bella. Yes. Christopher, Peter. Yes. And we got, Okay, so we got four because Mount yes. Rushmore only has four faces on right. it. Right. And isn't it amazing how nature does that? How nature did <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite memes of all time. You seen that uh, one? 
No. Oh yeah, it's somebody somebody posted a picture of Mount Rushmore <laughs> on Facebook and put like, isn't it amazing how nature did that? Oh my god. And was being serious. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. Remember, these people drive, they breed, and they vote. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember that. Dear Lord. Um. Okay. Kind of kind of relates to what we we're talking about. Maybe not, but we did talk about him a little bit tonight. Does Robert England belong with with that group of actors? Do you think? Do you think I he, could see him up there? I'd put him in before I would put Vincent Price. I would too. Yeah, I would too. It might be sacrilegious some of the monster kids it out might there, be, but, but you've got a guy who played an iconic character. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't feel like Vincent Price really had that like iconic character, right? Great presence, you know. Uh-huh. Great voice, obviously. I love. Oh God, I love Vincent. I do Price. too. But yeah, I, I, but you can make the case for like John Carradine, uh, uh, Lon Chaney Jr., Lon yeah. Chaney Senior. Lon Chaney Senior would be one that that you might. Mm-hmm. He needs his own memorial, though. He, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I put I I I would. I think I, I think I would. I would. And it, isn't it sad though? We, there's no one else. I know. Yeah. I mean, really I mean Tobin Bell played Jigsaw. Whoop de doo. Nine times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but definitely though those 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 four guys. I think I think it's Boris and Bella and then Christopher and Peter. Mm-hmm. I think so too. I think Peter Cushing is the greatest horror actor of all time. Oh yeah. I think he's the greatest horror actor of all time. When I watch him, do you know what I think about? What? It makes me want to watch Fright Night <laughs> 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 with Roddy McDowell uh-huh. basically playing. <laughs> Peter Cushing. Yeah. It's been a while since we watched that. Oh, I love that movie, Jerry Dandridge. That's a, that's a hell of a good movie, isn't it? Uh-huh. Chris Sarandon was really great in that. I know. We need to revisit that. We did that one really early in the show. Mm-hmm. We need to revisit. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. That that movie. I liked it a lot. That movie helped. Uh, uh, it was a gateway. It was one of the gateways. I was already into the Universal Monsters, and that kind of got me into the next level. Of stuff yeah, and uh, I could see that. I was really proud of myself because I was young. I was I was really young watching that movie, and that's not you know. I mean, it's it's pretty scary. I, I think you know it's got it's got some let's play terrifying parts if you're if oh, you're yeah. younger. But I was like so brave. I was like I can make it through. <laughs> I could do it. I can make it through. I couldn't make it through a Freddy Krueger movie, but I can make it through. I can make it through <laughs> Fright Night. And that was a start. That was all I needed. <laughs> Just get you through. So, well, thank you all for tuning in. We uh, we are sorry it, it took so long. I know we disappointed all three of you out there. Um, but uh, our schedules have gotten more regular now. So mm-hmm. we're going to be doing this show regularly. Our, our original intention at the beginning of the year was to do one a month. Mm-hmm. And we are going to be doing one a month. We're about to have a little downtime. Then we're going we're gonna to knock out a couple of shows. And, uh, you know, I like the new format. We didn't have any fun news tonight. But that's okay. It's all right. And you're talking about Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. You got to stay focused. Exactly. You got to stay focused. So. Can't get too distracted. Yeah. Anything else you got? You wanna, I think that's it. You wanna add? Well, we'd like to thank all of you for tuning in, especially the LPB Deputy Director, Matt Tessier. Yes, our number one fan. He is our number one fan. Yeah. He needs like a trophy or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, a, a mug. We're gonna. We might make him a mug. I might make him one. Yeah. Make might do that. <laughs> might do that. I he's, like he's, this idea. He's, he's probably shaking all over right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. I think we might have to do that. I think we will. I think, I think we will. Well, Matt, you heard it here first. 
Uh, I don't know what our next movie is going to be, but I will say that um, uh, Carnival of Souls is a movie that he's wanted us to do, and oh, okay. uh, that's definitely that's definitely coming sooner rather mm-hmm. than later. And as I said, the schedules are a little more regular now, so next episode will be sooner mm-hmm. rather than later. And and as I said, it it uh, life gets in the way with these things. Uh, life doesn't. Life never gets in the way. It's just it, schedules keep yeah. you keep you from from doing things. So we've had to get kind of figure out our own pace with this. Yeah. And, um, had a lot going on and uh, but hey if you're ever out in Morapaw, hey come on out to black lake check out the slick band i'll be there <laughs> odds are faith will be there too <laughs> so anything you want to add about dracula ad 1972 hammer christopher lee peter cushing they're all great i think that's it that is it for me it has really been a lot of fun getting back into the swing i had fun i had, had fun, fun too yeah it's a good time it was a good it's time, good time. Should we give them our, our send-off? Do you remember our send-off? Oh, if I can remember it. Remember? I think I can remember. You got it? <laughs> yeah. I think so. All right. Here we go. Let's see ready? if we, we're, we're ready. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep, keep your, your monster, monster on, on a leash. leash. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you have a great rest of your day, rest of your week. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay happy. We'll see you on the other side.